That's good. So a revolution of love. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So we were thinking last week about the type of love that Jesus expressed, that it was a, a revolutionary type of love because it was, it was radical. The way that he um, stepped into people's lives and into their hardship and into their, you know, to their dysfunction and he brought hope into their lives. He embraced them no matter where they were in life, whether they were rich or poor, whether they were diseased or outcasts. He came with a love that, that broke into their world and, and, and showered on them a sense of, of the Father's love for them. Even though many of these people that Jesus came across were hurting and uh, their lives were a mess, when he stepped into their life, he gave them an incredible hope. And so we, we just read through scripture. Everywhere Jesus went, there was just this servant-hearted love for people. And it, and it infected people. It infected people and it affected people. It got, it got under a lot of people's skin. They didn't like the way that Jesus loved people. It was just too, it was just too loving. And some people couldn't cope with it, and so they wanted to kill him. But other people realized that it was the love of God, and they fell at his feet and said, we need to worship you. He loved, taught us how to love our enemies. You know, when everyone else would say, go and get revenge, go and, you know, go and be bitter, go and, go and be revengeful. Jesus said, no, love your, love your enemies. In fact, bless your enemies. Find a way to give to them rather than tear their world apart. And so he, he started to turn people's worldview upside down and, and demonstrate that the, the, the Father's love through him and the Father's love through us can bring an incredible change to people's lives. His, lo- his love was unconditional. So he didn't go you know, to the rich and the famous and say, well, I'll love you more than the lepers and the poor. He actually turned that around. And said, no, these people need to love more than the rich and the famous. And so he spent his life loving these heartbroken people. He loved regardless of colour. He loved regardless of age. He didn't really care about status. And he loved beyond logical limits. Like he didn't get to a point where he said, well, I've had enough now. Or I don't feel like doing this anymore. The wellspring of love in his life was so rich and so deep that he was able to give and to give and to give and to give and to give. And there was this presence about him that that people flocked to. We know that then thousands of people walked, you know, all sorts of distances just to find Jesus and to sit and to listen at this, this teaching that was so remarkable because it affronted people. You couldn't sit and listen to Jesus and just go, oh, well, that's, that's just another teaching. It drove into the hearts of people and said, what type of person do you want to be knowing this? Are you going to bow the knee to this and embrace this and, and become just like it? Or are you going to run away? And so, you know, we get this picture of Jesus being this revolutionary type of person. It shocked people the way that he loved. It was radical and it was extravagant. And I think the point is that Jesus came to model 
to show us what that love was like in action, but to ignite within us, all those that would follow him, a movement that would create sort of an uprising in society in those biblical times, but right through history. There's been these people that have laid hold of the Father's love for them and then said, I need to give this love away. And it's a movement. It's not a religion. It's not a book of rules that we follow because it flows out of a heart of love. And what it does is it, it starts to break down the walls of insurmountable heartache and injustice and poverty and spiritual blindness because where love comes, there's change. Where love comes, there's hope. Where love comes in, there's healing. When love breaks in, there's acceptance and there's value and there's worth. And he's called us to lead that love revolution. Jesus said, you will, people will know you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. That's the measuring stick. It's love. It's so important. So when we seek to define how we can live out a revolution of love in our lives, in our world, I think there's three parts to the answer. And it's embedded in that greatest commandment. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. So for us to have the capacity to love others and to have the capacity to love our neighbours, and to, we have to first have a wholehearted love for God. It's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then if I can love God like that, if all my being is in love with the Lord, and my heart is soft and open to the things of God, therefore I will love myself. I will have a healthy self-understanding of who I am. This is what happens in most Christian circles. You have people that when they talk about loving themselves, they will default to a love that's arrogant or overinflated. Yeah, I'm a great person. You know, They might not say it, but that's how they feel. I'm a person of influence. I'm a person of importance. That's not a godly perspective of love. But most Christians head the other way. And they have a, a self-esteem that, that's like, I'm no good for anything. I am of no value. I've heard it from a lot of people in this church. I'm a nobody. But that's not a, that's not a healthy perspective of God's love for you. So we've got to love God. And when we love God, it puts the rest of the things in perspective when we love him with all our heart. Because when our hearts are soft and after God, then that influences our soul and our feelings and how we feel about ourselves. And then that influences our thinking, which is our mind. And then that influences our body. Our bodies will just follow along. So it starts with our heart. And last week we looked at the, the second greatest commandment in, in the story of the Good Samaritan, who came across an incident in his life where there was a man that was robbed and was in need and, and he rushed in and helped him. But that's the end of this equation. That's the end of this formula because Jesus is saying, no, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength first. Then you will love yourself the right way and then you'll be able to love your brothers or your neighbours or your sisters because if we don't love ourselves the right way, there'll be strings attached to my love. I'll go and love Darren and I'll mow his lawn, but I'll be waiting for Darren to come back and, and, and mow my lawn. There'll be strings attached or, or, or my 
my lack of self-esteem when I get involved in Darren's life will actually bring more pain and anguish into his life because hurt people hurt other people. But if we love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, what that invades our life with is the perfect love of the Father. And then I know my position in God. I know that I'm someone of, in, of value. Yes, someone who's been saved by grace. Yes, someone who's a sinner, but someone who was bought with a price. Someone who has a purpose in their life. And then I can go and love others and there's not all these strings attached to that love. I just love without recompense, without reward, without needing to be patted on the back, without needing anything else but the Father's love in me flowing over into those people's lives. And having a good self-healthy esteem is really important. Why did Jesus say it? Love your neighbour as you love yourself. So you have to love yourself. That's not a sin. It's actually saying, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God spent a lot of time on Mark Wilson. He did a good job. Thank you, darling. <laughs> but that's not arrogance. That's saying, I'm made in the image of God. I have a heart that can feel the things that God feels. I can have a mind that can fathom the, the things of God. So it's not about me. It's about what God's done in me. But knowing that, then affects my capacity to love at a, at a much deeper level and at a much sustained level. Otherwise, we're going, to get, we're going to run out of energy. So what we saw last week is that everyone's our neighbour. There's no excuse we've got to love. We're obligated to act and care and to love as we would have others love us. But then that's the end of the equation. We need to go up the other end and go, that starts with loving the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength. So a healthy understanding of the Father's love towards us, the sacrifice of Jesus and the indwelling of the Spirit enables us to obey the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body and strength. Here's the point. When Christina prayed this morning, you hurt her you heard the overflow of her heart. It was soft and it was broken. And it was a heart after God. That's the start of the greatest commandment to obey. But how do you get that heart? How do you get that? How do you get to a place where when you worship, you are in a, you're in a sense captivated by who God is? And you're drawn into worship. You're drawn into a, an infatuation, a love relationship with God that changes your heart in such a way that your whole being is absorbed into this. And it's the greatest privilege to stand here this morning and go, I love the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, body and strength. But we don't always feel like that, do we? So our hearts have to be changed in such a way that we'd want to do this. It is all of our being that's drawn into it. So love has to be received and given from the heart. We have to be touched by the Father's heart, by the sacrifice of the Son, by the indwelling of the Spirit, because the heart is the wellspring of life. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So if our hearts are tender, if their hearts after God, then I know that's going to affect my feelings in a good, positive way. I'm not going to come to church one week and go, well, I don't feel like doing this. Boy, this is boring. 
Gee, Ross's voice is croaky this morning. Oh, when's Mark going to finish? Oh, it's just, you know. And then the next week we might walk into church and just be like, oh, I've had a great week. I feel really good today. Oh, God, you're so good. No, that's not a heart that's locked into the Father's love. Because it's not a tap that we switch off and we switch on all the time. It should be something that has so struck us and so invaded us that we just love worship. It should be a natural overflow of who we are. And this heart, you know, you know what the hardest thing about this? I can't teach it. I cannot teach you how, how to have a heart like Christina had this morning. I know we all need it. I know she's in the right place, but I can't teach you how to get there. I can teach you some things that might bring you close. I can teach you how to read your Bible or pray every day or listen to worship music, but that's no guarantee that you're going to have that heart. I can't teach it. I can't teach you the formula to be there. It's got to come from God touching you. He's the only one that can do it. Only God can change our hearts and put us in that place where we're overwhelmed with gratitude. And I think, a, I, think it's, I think Jesus said it in that way, very specifically. He didn't say, love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your body, with all your soul and all your strength. He said, love the Lord your God with your heart first. Because when your heart's right, it will dictate how your feelings flow. And your feelings will dictate what your mind thinks and then your mind will control your body and say, go love. Love God, love yourself, love others. So it starts with the heart. And the heart will overrule everything when it's a heart of gratitude, when it's in the right place with God. So a transformed heart is the key to a transformed soul and a transformed soul is a, is a key to a transformed mind and a transformed mind is a key to a transformed body. It flows down that way. And so it starts with our heart. We need to be captured by the grace of God. You know, when that woman came into Jesus with that alabaster jar of oil and she broke it over Jesus' feet and she mopped his feet with her hair, to me she's someone whose heart had been captured by grace. She understood she was a sinner, a prostitute, and she knew that the Father's love for her was so profound that she went into a situation where she was going to be ridiculed and mocked and her love was so extravagant for Jesus that it got up the nose of the disciples even. But that was captivated by grace, captured by it in her heart, not fearful of what other people thought, but just overwhelmed with this need to love on Jesus and to love him. So I can have all the knowledge of love in my mind, but not experience it if it's not coming from my heart outward. It has to start here. Like when God said, David is a man after my own heart, David was known as a worshipper. It was the one thing that set him apart for everybody else. He's the only bloke I know who went naked through the streets dancing because he was so overwhelmed with this, this grace of God and what God had given to him that he couldn't help himself. But it's not a formula where you do A, B and C and you get a soft heart. I don't even know what it is that brings you to that place. I just know when God's knocking on the door and you let him in, that the Father's love flows and it changes. And God wants us in that place of intimacy and brokenness before him. 
But you can't beat your chest and go, I want to be there, God. It has to come as you just surrender and ask God to touch your life. What good is an obedient body and strength when your heart's divided? What good is it? I can have emotions that limit my capacity to love selflessly and and healthily. Some days I just don't feel like loving others, but when our hearts are loving the Lord with all our you know, all our strength, everything that we are, then we're going to be in the right place with God. Does that make sense? So I want to ask you how your heart is this morning. It's a pretty probing question, I think, because it's really knowing, if Jesus said this is the greatest commandment of all the commandments that there are, if this is the greatest one, then it's probably the question that we need to probe the most. If we get that right, everything else is going to concertina into the right place. We need hearts that are pure. We need hearts that are broken. We need hearts that are saturated with the love of the Father. You know, I hear people say, well, I'm not worthy of doing anything, you know. But that's not a heart that's saturated with the Father's love. Because what the Father's love has done for you is to send Jesus and what Jesus has done for you is sent his spirit and what his spirit is saying to you is that you're someone precious. You're someone of incredible value and purpose. And and when we can get to that place, our perspective of living life is I just want to serve the King of Kings. I'm so in love with him. Whatever he wants me to do, I'll go and do it. So we need these hearts that are consecrated to God. A man ought to examine his heart. Notice that. When we come to the Lord's table this morning, the thing that unites us all together in common unity, communion, Paul writing to the Corinthians church said, a man ought to examine his heart, not his mind, not his emotions, not his body, but his heart before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among us are weak and sick and a number have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. I don't think there's anything more powerful that we can do with one another is to sit and contemplate, Lord, what's my heart like before you today? What's my heart like? It is the most fundamental question of following the Lord. If Jesus said the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, then it's a pretty good question to ask, Lord, how is my heart? How am I doing? And so this morning what we're going to do is we're, we're, we're going to come around the, the Lord's table. And uh, I want to do something a little bit different today. I want to give you time to just, just to reflect. You can find somewhere to sit on the carpet. You can do whatever you want. That's, and we're going to play some music. And, and the songs that I've chosen are very much about reflecting on where you are with God in terms of your heart. And and I want this to be something that you do with God, very personally. Just take the time to soak and reflect and and speak to the Lord, and we'll pray before we do that, and we'll ask the the Lord to to speak to you. What I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to leave the microphone open. And because I can't teach you how to have that heart, I want you to share, if God prompts you, some perspective you have on that.
Does that make sense? Because I can't teach you a formula. I can only hear and see when I see that heart in other people's lives. How they got to that point might be different. But I want us to encourage one another what it's like to know God breaking into your heart and moulding you into the person that he wants to be. Does that make sense? Let's do that in a, in a minute. Joe, can I pray for you? Is that all right? You cool with that? I just want to pray for you. The sense that God wants to say something to you. Let's pray. Father, I want to bring Joe before you this morning. I want to thank you for her. Joe, when I was looking at your face this morning, I, I, I just sensed that you've walked into the river of life. You've walked into the river of God and you've gone from being someone who used to stand on the edge and watch and wonder what it was like to be filled with the Spirit and walk with God. And now you're starting to move. And you've gone from your feet into your ankles and into your, down into the depths of your knees and you've got down into your waist and you're starting to experience God. And you're starting to feel His love for you and you're starting to experience the joy of the Spirit of God, the sweet Spirit within you. And you're starting to see the change. And I, I just sense the Lord saying, Joe, keep going deeper. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep going deeper. Go deeper into the water till it goes up to your chest and over your head. And the Lord's saying, Joe, I'm going to take you till you can't touch the ground anymore because that's how my spirit moves. He's like the wind. You can see the effects. You can see where he's coming, but you don't know where he's going. And I just sense the Lord saying, Joe, well done. Jump in that river and keep going. Keep wading out into the deep water. The deep water is where the real blessing is. The deep water is where the intimacy of God is. And it means surrender. It means giving your whole life to him, even though you won't always understand. Because God's ways are not our ways. They're higher. So keep going into that river. Keep going. Go deeper into that river. And Chris, I just sense for you the Lord's saying, Son, it's time to jump in. You've been standing on the bank watching everybody else. Asking questions, not quite sure. And I sense the Lord saying, Chris, I've put before you blessings and cursings, life and death. And the Lord's saying, Chris, choose life. Go after the things of God. Get off the bank and get into the river. Jump into the river of life. Open your heart to the Spirit of God. Let God come in and draw you into the deep waters, into the deep things that he has for you. So Father, I want to pray for Chris and Joe. I thank you that their, their hearts are awakened. And I pray, Father, that you would draw them deep into your spirit. Draw them in, Father. Draw them in. In Jesus' name, bless them, Lord, I pray. Bless them, Lord. Thank you. So this morning as we come around... The Lord's table. I want you, there's a table up the back here. You can come and get something from there, from here. I want to do two things. I want to set this side of the the front up. Just if you want to come and sit and kneel, and uh, you know you want to do business with the Lord in your seat, that's fine. Or if you want to come down the front and recommit your life or dedicate, that's cool. That's all free. What I want to do is leave this side open. If you want to come down this side, Cheryl and I or somebody will just pray with you. You don't have to say anything. We'll just gently come alongside you and just pray for you. So we're just going to leave it open. There's two or three songs. Just soak in it and we'll leave the microphone open at the end and you can come. And maybe God's got a, got a word that he's going to 
used through you to speak into someone else's heart or encourage them. But let's let the Holy Spirit minister through us today. Let's respond to God first. Let him touch our hearts and let us get back to a place of of being having a heart after God. The first song I'm going to play you this morning is called Bring Me Back. And it's all about coming back to a place of intimacy with God. So come and grab the communion. There's another place up the back there and just sit. Feel free to sit on the floor, do whatever you want to do. That's fine. We're just going to take 10, 15 minutes just to, just to reflect and listen to the Lord. And If you'd like someone to pray on this side, if you just want to sit and use this as an altar, feel free to do that. Thanks, man. Lord, this morning we just want to give you this time. Sweet Holy Spirit, we pray that you would just come and minister to us and renew our hearts for you. Lord, we don't want to have undivided hearts. We want to have hearts that are set on serving you unashamedly. And Lord, sometimes we do. We need you to come to our rescue. Change these dry, hard, stubborn hearts and turn them into hearts of flesh that are broken and humble and willing to yield. Lord, sometimes we're so stiff-necked, we're so caught up in the things of this world, we're so at a distance from you. And yet, Lord, you're so willing to draw us back in. So this morning, Lord, we're just going to open it up for people to share. Father, I pray that you would speak through your people this morning, that you would minister through them. And that, Father, we would see every life in this place change today, that not one person would walk out of this room without you changing their heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I wrote down the words of a song this morning and it says, the title's Could I. I'm just going to read it out. Could I just sit here a while, know that there's nothing I need to say, safe in the knowledge that you know my ways, love me completely, no need to hide a thing. Could I just stay here a while, letting you melt away all my fears? I feel your comfort when you are near. I'll hide myself in this shelter you've made for me. Could I just kneel here a while, doing what I was created to do? Bowing in reverence, I long to adore you. Willingly giving all that I can, surrender. Could I just rest here a while, letting you whisper my burdens away? In all of my journeys, there's no other place where I could find refuge, strength for my weary heart. Could I? Today the Lord gave me three things, so I'm going to try and articulate them. Firstly, 
taste and see that the Lord is good. That's an action from us that we need to taste and see that the Lord is good because the Lord is good. But we have a responsibility to come to God and see that goodness. So that's the first thing. The second thing is he he gave me, you know, I love butterflies. There's no kind of, you know, hiding that. But as I was driving to church today, he said, to, you know, it's a new season and that's not just for me. But with the butterfly, when we're cocooned up and we don't experience the freedom that we have in Christ, and when we become that butterfly, there's just that freedom that we have. And when we taste and see that the Lord is good and know that we can have that new season in God because there's always that. We've always got a new day in God. We can always put that behind. That doesn't have to start in a month's time. It can start today. But when we experience that freedom like that butterfly and stop being cocooned, but that is our choice that we have to come before God and that whole worship thing that Mark was saying as well is we have to choose to worship God. We have to choose to spend time with God, read the Bible and get into it and pray and spend that time and only then can we taste and see that the Lord is good because we're giving him the opportunity to change our lives and change our lives for the freedom because God has only got good things for those who love him and we cannot imagine, we cannot see, we cannot hear, we, we have no idea how awesome our God is and when we give everything to him ourselves in whatever, how good life is, how bad life is, it doesn't matter because God can only make that better. And it's for the people who don't know him as well. It's not just for us, but it's for the community and what we bring to the community. As we were having our moments of reflection, God actually told me to tell you all, he chooses you. <laughs> He especially chooses you and he wants you to follow him. And he showed me a vision of you placed right beside Jesus, walking with his disciples. He's got this purpose for you in his life and him in yours. And he chooses you and he wants you to choose him as well. Um, this week I've just been broken a lot about um, living a life worthy of the calling that we have received. I'll be like what Christina says that the God is choosing us and that we have to choose him back. And um, um, he's, you know, he's been telling me that we have to be people that don't have a reputation for being alive, but we are actually dead. Um, so I've just been asking God to look at, firstly, areas of my life where, where, um, where I'm just dead. And uh, he gives me the strength to live, you know, 
a life that's worthy of the calling, I think sometimes we take it so lightly and and don't realize who we are in Christ. Like Mark shared, that we are his ambassadors here on earth and his representatives and um yeah that's basically it yeah, that i just been asking god to give me a, a renewed um understanding of who he is and and um just to make us more reverent perhaps towards him So earlier, Mark said a comment that, I mean, I've heard a few times and over the years and it's um, hurt people, hurt people. And I, I mean, I get that, but I'm kind of like, well, God, you know, I've been through some incredible heartache in my life and I've experienced some incredible pain, you know, over the last 20 years. And I'm kind of like, well, God, I'm hurt, but I have you, you know, how, how does that make me different? And he's kind of like, well, you know, that, that gives you the capacity to to help the people that are hurt. You know, the, the capacity to say, you know, I'm hurting and I get it. You know, I, I go on kids' camps every year with kids who have been through some incredible heartache in their life. And, you know, out of that place where I say, you know, God, I'm hurting and I have you and these kids are hurting and they don't have you, you know, I think that's that's a sort of a, a template for every single person in the world, you know, who's who's hurting or who's been through some incredible heartache. You know, we, we've got God and, you know, that automatically gives us the capacity and the permission to say you know what I'm hurting for you and I'm with you and I get it you know so I just really felt that I should share that I had the um, blessing to be part of a, a tragedy a whole community was virtually wiped out by bushfire and a few days later an amazing event happened, it was Sunday morning. The service, the church service was still to take place in an open field. The, um, the communion table was set up. It was all improvised. And a, th a thousand people turned up, which was about a um, hundred times perhaps the normal small village uh, community who went to church, ash on their faces, uh, 20 to 30 people had passed away. 300 houses had been destroyed. I'm surprised how fresh this is. Yeah, please be patient with me. This is so important. Um, thank you, Father, I can depend on you. on the improvised communion table sat the brass cross rescued from the destroyed church no longer shiny and, and, and brass well it was still brass but it had been through the heat of the fire a symbol of suffering it leant over the arms sagged. It had been through suffering. That's what we saw. The pastor said, this is symbolic 
of what our Lord Jesus has gone through. He knows all about suffering. He has been through the fire of pain and hurt. Yet, this is the same God who pre-existed all of us and the whole universe. He made it, every atom, and he made us. Such is his love for us that he planned all of the way over the chasm that divides a holy, righteous and pure God and the love that he has for his creatures, us. That gap has been breached and it's only his love which has achieved that. And we have suffering. It's there always, it seems. It comes and goes. Some people have more than others. Why? I don't know. But he has been through the suffering and it's a measure of his love for us that he has suffered in the ultimate way. So have faith that whatever trials you are going through now, you have a saviour who's been through it all and a million times more. And he loves you dearly and he can hold you, he can support you and walk with you through that. In Ephesians 3, um, 14 through to 21, it says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I was asking God this morning what, what it was that makes me trust him now. What makes me trust him now for now and for the future. And, and I believe he said to me, it's because of the past. It's because of when I look back over my life and I see all the times that God has rescued me, that he's provided for me. I see the times when he, he opened doors for me to walk through. And I see the times when he closed them. And I believe it's, there's, a, there's a saying that uh, hindsight is a wonderful thing. And it is, providing we learn from it. Because if we don't learn from it, we keep making the same mistakes. And God will help us to walk through that door again. And it will hurt the same again. And so wherever God has you now, and he, he has me in a place and he has everybody in a place at the moment, it might be a dry place. And I would, I would say to you, I would... I would say to you, ask God, what does he want you to learn from where you're at now? 
then it might be a good place. And there's still something to learn from that as well. Because the next time you come across that same situation, your reaction may be different. And when God opens a door for you, instead of refusing to walk through it, you might just take a step. And if he closes the door in front of you, instead of pushing him out of the way and pushing your way through that door anyway, you might just say, okay, God, I get it. Because all of us are here really because when we look back over our lives, God has led us today. We're here because of where he's, he's led us to. And that means that today he still has something to teach us. None of us have made it yet. There's always still something to learn. So I trust God because, as the Bible says, in view of what God has done for us, my hindsight says that I can trust him. The things that he's done over my life and the lives of the people around me says that I can trust him with my whole heart and soul. Yeah, this is a um, something that uh, really struck home with me that uh, for many years I actually didn't know what love was. I knew about God and uh, I knew who he was, what he was, and I believed it in my head. So as a young boy, I, I bounced around and, and thought of what this God was. And as a 10-year-old still being abused and kicked out of home and battered and bruised, I held on to that. But I didn't love God because these things were happening to me. And as I grew up and, and got older as a teenager, I knew about God, but these things were happening to me. And I never gave them to God. And it's only recently that uh, um, I found a bit of freedom in what is true for me. That uh, I always came to God and, and at the worst possible times, uh, opened my heart and prayed for him to come in and, and to save me from my situation. Um, I was married out of his love. I had children out of his love. And these are miracles that we're, we're all able to have. But just by my will alone, I can't keep it together. It said that. So I, I, I've been on a journey and I've been crying out to God for many, many years and only recently found the freedom that, that I had. And God took me on a journey. I was at the manger where he was born, this little baby. The wisdom and the love in his eyes as he looked at me and just, he knew who I was. I walked dusty trails with Jesus and listened to him to talk to people, how the crowds gathered around him for what he said was true and it resonated in my heart. Then he took me to a place where I stood in a crowd and watched these people condemn Jesus to die. I walked the streets as they took him to a post and then I was the soldier that had a whip in his hand and I whipped my Lord and Saviour. I tore strips from his body and blood bled on the ground. People laughed and cheered. And then I was a man walking beside Jesus as he carried his cross. He kept falling to the ground, his blood dripping, not a sound from him. 
And I watched as he was nailed on the cross. And as he hung there, and he's pleaded to his father to ask for forgiveness for my sins. And it was just at that moment that all the times that I'd cried out to God in my pain and suffering, I didn't give it to him. I held back the worst of it. I held back the things that made me who I was, the lies that I'd believed. So in that moment when I truly understood that God had deserved all my pain and suffering, he has asked for all my sins and he washed it with all his blood, that that was his heart, that he is true love, that everything that he did for, for me and for everybody else, that I have no right to hold on to my pain. I have no right to hide it in my hand and only give God what I think he can handle because he took it all. And in that knowledge and in that moment, my heart was free and I knew what it was to be loved by God. And I don't think anybody can say that. It's a journey. It was a 43-year journey for me. But God loves us all and he died for every one of us on the cross, saved and sinners. So that's all you have to do. Just look upon his face and just give it to God. Um, I just thought I'd share something this morning. Um, yesterday, I, Dad was talking about doors closing and doors opening and, and trusting God. And um, yesterday, I, I actively made the decision to, you know, go and celebrate Grand Final Day in, in a place where I probably, my spirit didn't, it didn't sit right in that atmosphere. And, and yet I still went and... Yesterday, even though I knew God was with me still in my heart, it was kind of a weird feeling. Like I felt like God said, right, you've made that decision and I've given you free will, but I'm not, I'm not coming in. I'm staying at the door. And it was the first time where I felt so disjointed from God and his, and his, his spirit and his, his love. And it, it was weird. It was like I felt so lost and alone and I thought, Oh my goodness! Is everyone in the does everyone in the world feel like this who who doesn't know God? And it was just like a massive eye opener for me. Like I thought, wow, so many people are missing out on this free love and this and this com compassion and joy and and grace that comes with knowing Jesus Christ. And I, you know, I, I got home and and I and I just cried and I thought, God, I'm so sorry for doing that and and. This morning I, I drove home very early and, and I got home and got changed and, ca and came to church and it was amazing. The minute I walked in the door, I just felt this this feeling like like the saying, there's no place like home. There really is no place like home. And, and when you are close to God, it's it's a homely feeling. It's a love. It's a joy. It's it's, it's peace. It's this inner peace that you know that you are so loved by the creator of the universe. And I think God just wants me to let you all know that, that, that he's there always and that he loves you and that, that this is a place where you're accepted and that you can just, you can just lie and, and dwell in that peace, just knowing that, that he's there and that he won't leave you. And that he's always there with open arms like the father welcoming back the, um, the son who went astray. His compassion, what he did on the cross, he's, he's covered your sin. And yeah, he's, 
he's wanting to be with you, be with you always. And yeah, it's a good feeling. About uh, two weeks ago, um, I experienced um, how life is really fragile, very, very fragile. Um, everyone knows I've got a really old car, like 22, 23 years old, and but I don't think the car saved me in a car accident, but actually it was God saved me and two other ladies and a guy. And we were driving on uh, Monash Freeway and took the Oracle exit and all of a sudden just there's four, three cars in front of me and just we, I saw myself on the grass. <laughs> like I was like, it was just like two seconds. And uh, it, was, it would be really horrible if God didn't, didn't wasn't with us, you know. And I looked at the lady and I said, you're right. And she, she was really shocked. And then another lady came from another car and she talked with her. And um, I was like, where was my heart at that time? I'm just thinking right now and Pastor Mark telling, you know, and if I was dead there, I don't know where I'll be going, you know. And I thank God that uh, we are in his hand. And... Uh, he loves us so much, and life is is too short, you know. It's the, for um, for myself, I would say like I'll take it day by day because I don't know, like I'm. But I know he loves us. He loves he loves me because um, it would be very easy for anyone to anyone can die at that time. I praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I wonder this morning, my sense is that if you're struggling, would you have the courage to stand up this morning so that we can pray for you, so that the Father's heart can go out to you? Maybe you have a need this morning. You need Jesus to come to your rescue. Would you have the courage to stand up so we can pray? with you today Father I want to thank you for the Father's love I want to thank you that you did not spare your son I want to thank you that you've given us life I want to thank you that you've poured out your grace I want to thank you for your mercy that's new every morning I want to thank you that there's not one person in this room that can't keep their head held high this morning because of the God that they serve. Lord, we want to thank you for today. Thank you for the testimonies. Thank you for the words of encouragement. Thank you for the reminders that our hearts need to be sold out for you. And Father, as we finish this morning, we want to make sure we give you back the glory and the honour that is yours and only yours. Why don't we stand together this morning? We're going to sing. We're going to sing a beautiful song called Jesus, Beautiful Saviour.